This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have two very special guests. They just published a book in November 2021. title of the book is the Vote Collectors, the true story of scamsters, politicians, and preachers behind the nation's greatest electoral fraud. Their names are Michael, Michael Graff and Nick Oxner. And uh, this is both their first books, but uh, I read a lot of it. It's really interesting and uh, takes place in Braden County in the southeastern part of North Carolina, but in North Carolina in general. But uh, they can both talk. About it. So welcome to the show, Michael and Nick. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, William. For one of you guys can start, you guys can just decide who wants to go first, but can you talk about your background? You do talk about it in the book, your background, and what led you to write the book, Collectors? Yeah, I think that's part of the beauty of the the book is that uh, Nick and I come at it from different journalistic backgrounds. Nick's an incredible investigative reporter here in Charlotte, and I'm sort of a a long-form magazine writer. Uh, I built a career as a long-form magazine writer. Uh, So we came at it from different angles. but I, I grew up in working for newspapers, went to magazines, and now I'm the editor of Axios Charlotte. And um, in 2018, when this story broke, Politico magazine assigned me to go write a story about Bladen County. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know. There were already reporters in Bladen County, including Nick, who were investigating this, invest, uh, this election fraud scandal. Um, and I came down about four days after everybody else did. Uh, literally pulled over on the side of the road to watch the sunset over a field, over a cemetery, and see it set su- sunset on the uh, water tower in Bladen County, um, and just thought for a minute, like, what am I going to write about? And I, then I thought, I'm just going to write about this place. I'm going to write about why this place was ripe and fertile ground for election fraud. Um, and that became sort of the the bedding for our book i think i think our book is mostly about a place uh it's hopefully a place that even though it's in the southeast uh it's familiar to a lot of people i think uh it's a rural place where um there's a lot of desperation um bladen county is a hard-working place farming uh hog farming and um tobacco used to be king there It's just a place that I think is just rich with stories and human interest stories. And uh, that's what I went after that day. And it became kind of the over the the, the sort of, like I said, the betting for our book. Um, But Nick, Nick came at it from a different background and he got all of the um, Nick, Nick, Nick was able to corral some of the most interesting people in uh, 
that, that I could have ever asked to interview. So um, Nick can talk about how he came after it. And more important than being a reporter, I'm a TV reporter, like <laughs> Michael said. Um, I'm from 30 minutes down the road from Bladen County, North Carolina, and, and a town called Hope Mills, which is near Fort Bragg. My dad was in the Army. That's why we were there. Uh, so I grew up in southeastern North Carolina. And um, I know, generally speaking, the characters down there. And I also, most importantly to the story, knew that there had been allegations of election shenanigans uh, being flung about in political contests in southeastern North Carolina for decades. I mean, my entire childhood. And so when we first heard the allegations in 2018, I didn't think they were really going to amount to anything. Um, and even after they really picked up steam to the point where I was like, all right, crap, I guess I got to go down here and report on it. I knew that there was more to the story than what we'd heard so far. And that quest to find out the rest of it, the more, uh, led me to a guy named McCray Dallas, who's a political operative who's now charged with state felonies for essentially election fraud. Um, and, and he is, you know, basically the character at the center of the book. Um, and you know, that's from that day to the book, here we are. Right. So, I mean, can you talk, I mean, he's an interesting character in himself. Can you talk about who McCray Dallas is D O W L E S S and it's Bladen County, B L A D E N County, kind of in the Southeast. Can you talk about him and his the context of Bladen County? Yeah, absolutely. So McCray, fascinating guy. He's he's a Bladen County person through and through. He's born, um, actually, he may have been born right over the border in Robson County, if we're being factually accurate. But anyways, he grew up his whole life in Bladen County. He'd left to do some construction work um, in his younger adulthood years, but always came back to Bladen County. Um, and he's become, you know, until 2018 for probably most of from 2000 or so to 2018, he was one of the main political dudes in town. And certainly after about the 2010 election, he was the main Republican political guy in town who you'd call if you wanted to win an election. Um, he's also a convicted felon. Uh, he committed uh, insurance fraud in the early 90s uh, and was uh, pleaded guilty to that and, and was convicted of that and served some time in prison. Um, he kind of has a reputation for being, uh, I think we call him in the book is the best way to describe him as a flim flam man, kind of a, a fraudster a little bit. And that's certainly has that reputation among some people in Bladen County and amongst other people, he's a straight up whip smart political operative who knows how to win you an election. And that one guy with those two, two reputations, uh, is, is the same person. Yeah, and you wrote, how, sorry to interrupt, but you wrote something really funny in your book. He knows what the votes are going to count before the votes take place, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's because he knows the people. I mean, you can drive down the road with them in Bladen County and he can tell you who lives in that house, who their parents are, who your brothers and sisters are, and when the last election they voted in was, <laughs> and whether or not they have an outstanding absentee ballot that year. I mean, it's interesting. A lot of what he was doing maybe a little more than this, but uh, the heart of what he was doing is really just kind of sophisticated voter targeting and voter turnout just happened to be doing it, the pen and paper chain smoking in a wood paneled <laughs> kitchen. Right. And can you kind of talk, he grew up in that environment. Can you talk about the changes in Bladen County and the demographics? Yeah. I, I, so Bladen County has always been a rural place, right? But as Mike alluded to a minute ago, um, you know, it was once, rural and and always people had to work hard for what they had but you know when tobacco was king down there people were doing pretty all right um 
and tobacco farmers and and farming when that was a thing uh and, and to a lesser extent in that part of the world textiles as well um and they've seen the story that so many rural places in america and certainly so many rural counties in north carolina of declining jobs um the rise of opioid use uh in in bladen county in particular and others around it have have really suffered from climate change they've been hit with two 500-year hurricanes and more importantly 500-year floods within two years um and, and so that's really left people desperate and it, it's kind of a shifting thing it used to be stalwartly democratic right and so you've seen a white shift and uh can you talk of kind of about the racial kind of tensions and background of that area yeah the the it was i mean it was up until 10 years ago close to 70 to 80 percent democratic um, but a lot of the folks who were Democrats in that county were sort of from the old, and in the South, we say this word a lot, uh, and it's, it's, it's well known when you say somebody's a Jesse crap, <clears throat> uh, you know, he voted for Jesse Helms, um, who was, uh, a, you know, he was, obviously he was a long, longstanding conservative. So, I mean, a lot of these folks were that it's just that, um, pretty much in 2010 after, uh, Bladen County for the first time elected, uh, a black sheriff. Um, a lot of white folks in Bladen County switched parties to the Republican Party uh, and tried to rally around a white sheriff in the next election, uh, or white sheriff's candidate in the next election, actually su successfully rallied around a white sheriff's candidate in the next election. And I think what we saw with that and what we show in our book, I think, is one of the most important things is, in Bladen County is the sheriff. And uh, he's the most important position in the county. And um for all of the ways that folks uh try to say you know i'm not racist i'm not this and that when it came down to it in bladen county in 2010 when the person in charge of the law became a black person a lot of white people got really scared and wanted to change that very fast and that's that's just a fact of the matter and i don't think anybody argues with that even the folks who we talked to in the book wouldn't argue with that um so it's it's that 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 spurred the flip um and when we started thinking about that, when Nick and I really started thinking about that, we started thinking, gosh, like there's got to be history behind this somewhere. Um, and I knew a little bit about the history of Bladen County at the time in eastern North Carolina and sort of voter suppression efforts since Reconstruction. And as soon as we started going back in time, go back 10 years, go back 20 years, all of these things repeat themselves over and over and over again, all the way back to, to the Civil War. Right. And, and maybe you can just go to that background and talk about that history that the past uh, is present. The present isn't that far past. Nick, uh, Nick just recorded, well, and back in September, Nick recorded the audio book. And I'll never forget him calling me or texting me and saying just how similar some of the things he, we, he was reading out loud. Again, it, it just kind of hit him, like how similar some of the things he was reading out loud are to today. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, you're talking about, um, massive dis disinformation campaigns happened in the late 1800s. You're talking about fractured, you, you know, if you think that the media quote, the media is biased today, you should read headlines from the 1800s. You should see <laughs> what, what the Raleigh news and observer was doing in the 1800s to run propaganda campaigns, um, for a white supremacist movement that was literally titled a white supremacist movement like this wasn't like these weren't just terms back then these were these were there was a handbook there was a white supremacist handbook at the time and the raleigh news and observer promoted it 
Um, and that ultimately led to um, something that is now well known in North Carolina. Uh, the only coup that ever happened on American soil was in 1898 in Wilmington, when uh, Wilmington at the time had a, had a predominantly black leadership. Um, they had over 30 and 30 in just 30 years had become a predominantly black city with black leadership in a very successful city. And white folks did not like that too much. And they overthrew the government. They literally overthrew the government. And, um, and, and, and what happened after that, I mean, the things that happened after that were, were almost as crazy. Uh, instead of calling it a coup, obviously the folks who overthrew the government called it a, a riot, a race riot. And, and tried to make it seem like it was an even-handed dispute on both sides when, in fact, um, folks with guns turned up to the polls and threw out ballots or, or made poll workers leave so that they could throw out ballots and things like that. Um, and so when you start to peel back the layers on this, you start to wonder, like, we always say, you know, you know, we, we sort of think for some reason, we, we think about the mid-20th century or whatever as good old days and stuff like that when democracy was like when everything was was just fine but the fact is there's been troubles with our elections for a long long time and a lot of them have to do with race uh more than they have to do with political affiliation race and power than a political affiliation i think part two of our book is about a hundred and some pages of just history explaining how we got to today and um nick and i have said over and over again as we've talked about this book there's a straight line from reconstruction to today and we drew it. We drew it over just two, two or three generations of people um, to show how some of the folks who were disenfranchised in 1898 were uh, their descendants for the same folks who were being disenfranchised in 2010. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. And I mean, it is incredible. And they had I think there was the first black congressman was from Bladen County, too. So there was a real hit. I think you wrote in your book. It's about two thirds white, one third black. Right. In Bladen County to the city. So there's a significant proportion. And I think you said well, there's one famous guy who really started the Black Wall Street in uh, North Carolina was from Bladen. So they have a history. Um, can you talk about some of the other kind of vote fixing things that happened uh, over the 20th century? Yeah, um, over the the um, well. And so in 1868, uh, you know, black black people get the right to vote in North Carolina and uh, in, in America and um well black men uh, um, and um so in 1898 when uh this when folks were trying to figure out ways to disenfranchise those voters in north carolina they 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 did what the state of louisiana did they passed what was called a um the, they passed these literacy tests which are not really about how to read it was basically could you memorize the constitution and recite it to me um types of stuff and tests that truly very few people could pass. Uh, and at the time in North Carolina, the, liter the actual literacy rate in North Carolina was the same between uh, white men and black men. So what they did in order to, uh, in order to make this work for, for the white supremacist movement at the time, they passed grandfather clauses. And the grandfather clause said, if you or your grandfather voted before 1868, Voted in an election before 1868, you didn't have to take the literacy test. Uh, well, that obviously meant uh, that a significant number of, of white men didn't have to take this literacy test. 
and all black men did. Uh, and that effective. So yes, George Henry White is a major character in our book. He was the last black congressman to serve uh, in the U.S. House of Representatives in 1901 before uh, Jim Crow laws uh, effectively eliminated black people from Congress for 28 years, I think it was, almost 30 years. Um, and when he stood uh, on the floor of the House. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Um, he delivered his famous Phoenix speech. He said um, something along the lines of, you know, today is... Today, the, today you may have ruled the black man out of Congress, but Phoenix, like he will rise again, rise up again one day. Um, and I, and we, we just kind of, I had, I had that quote written down, and I had just kept kind of looking at it as we kept, uh, as we kept writing this book, because uh, the rise up line is just really interesting to me, and it's, it's how long is it going to actually take um, for for this to happen. Um, but I mean, it kind of has. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of is happening, right? Though I mean, do you see, still see that African Americans are disenfranchised in Bladen County? Well, that's the part of the other part of the story, and the friction that led to what happened in 2018 is that in Bladen County and throughout North Carolina, black voters came together and banded together. Descendants of George Henry White went to Durham, created the Black Wall Street in Durham. They also created an organization called the Durham Committee on Negro Affairs is what it was founded as, and it um, remains today. And it formed, it was a group of you know black business owners and community leaders who formed because they wanted to find some political power in Durham. Um, and, you know, to get things like a better bus entrance at the bus station. Um, and they were successful. They found a formula to getting black representation in local government. And so out of that, these black political action committees uh, and black political groups sprung up all over North Carolina. There's one in Charlotte where Mike and I live. Uh, and there's one in Bladen County called the Bladen County Improvement Association. And that group got a start. The, the Durham Committee uh, formed in the 50s. The Bladen County Improvement Association didn't form until the late 70s, early 80s. Um, and they were hugely successful fairly quickly. Um, first thing they had to do was they filed a lawsuit and, and got the county commission basically redrawn. They got seats added. They got at-large districts. They got some districts drawn to where you know, there would be some black representation. Um, and kind of the pinnacle of their political success was this 2010 election in which a black man was elected sheriff. Um, and so that certainly brought things to a head kind of clashing. And you have to speak in these frank racial terms because that's how people exist in Bladen County uh, or black people and white people, you know, wanted to win elections and they were both really good at winning elections by that point because the improvement association had gained a lot of political power a lot of organizing strength and um so you had the bladen county improvement association and then on the other end you had mccray dallas and the kind of mccray dallas operation um, working for 
mainly at that point Republicans, although he'd previously worked for Democrats, in fact, learned a lot of what he knew from the Improvement Association and working for them in the 90s. Um, and so it's it's that clash and the quest to beat one another. And in this, you know, that that led to what happened in 2018. Right. So it was kind of a slow process. Can you talk in greater detail about Dallas's operation and how he functioned? Yeah. And you so, guys like met with him, like you're in the book going to his house and hanging out with him, right? Oh, yeah. We spent many an hour and watching him chain smoke in his kitchen and chain smoke <laughs> other places. <I> <laughs> Seems like a real I, I mean, yeah. I talked to McCray just the other day. I'm still in touch with him. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, basically, and it, we, I'll start with this disclaimer. McCray is not the only person doing this. Um, and in fact, my favorite story that I love to tell is a colleague of mine at the TV station I worked at, WBTV, on the ground in 2018, uncovered a complaint filed with the County Board of Elections that someone with the Improvement Association didn't come by to pick up his ballot in the 2018 election. He complained that no one came to harvest his ballot, which is illegal <laughs> in North Carolina. And so largely speaking, what McCray is charged with doing and what people, there's evidence people in Bladen County do is uh, you go out and you get people, you send workers out and you tell them, get as many people to request absentee ballots as possible. And McRae would pay his folks, and this might be where the, the groups differ, right, is how they pay, for instance. But McRae would pay his folks, um, you know, like $100 per 20 ballots or something. So like $5 or, or, or ballot request form. So about $5 a ballot request form. So Bladen County, big county, uh, maybe the largest county by square miles, maybe in North Carolina. It's like more than 800 square miles. And it's rural. There are 30,000 people who live there. And so to get you know, 20 absentee request forms in a day, that might be hard work. I mean, you know, I've, I've driven to a lot of, a lot of homes in Bladen County. They're not close to each other and they're down maybe dirt roads and, and, you know, so he sends an army of workers out to go get people to fill out these request forms. And it's perfectly legal to take those forms and drop them off at the, at the board of elections. Although by the time 2018 rolled around, uh, in an effort to try and at least track the shenanigans, you had to, every time you dropped off a stack of request forms, uh, you had to sign them in and how many you were dropping off and sign your name. And then after that, uh, at some point, the ballots, the absentee ballots are mailed. And then this is where it gets tricky. You, depending on who's telling the story, you either send workers out in pairs to go knock on doors and say, hi, we know from this election data from the Board of Elections that you've gotten your absentee ballot. Uh, do you need us to witness it for you while you vote? Because in North Carolina in 2018, you needed two people to sign it as witnesses saying they watched you vote your ballot. Since then, it's been changed to one. Uh, so in theory, you'd send two people out and witness the ballot and then you'd vote and then they'd watch you put it in the mail, maybe. And you'd put it in your mailbox, raise a little flag and back your ballot would go. Now, we know that uh, people might just send one election worker out there. Um, and even though two people would sign it, uh, we know that people might take ballots and. Um, 
there was evidence from one person who was working for McCray in 2016 that he was, because they got paid per request form, calling old buddies who didn't even live in Bladen County anymore, but were still registered to vote there, saying, hey, can I essentially fill out this form and forge your signature and request a ballot? And then the ballot came in the name of his friend, and this worker texted his friend, quote, yo, do you care who you vote for, for president? <laughs> <laughs> and he filled out this guy's ballot. Yeah, the guy didn't care, you'll be shocked. Uh, his ballot. And and so we know that was going on as well. And but you know, broadly speaking, th- those are the the confines of the operation and there are several steps along the way in which you could break the law. Right. So there was certain steps and then you talked about one of the um races where I think it was there was an abs- there was a third party who won all the mail in ballots. Ah, ah, so <laughs> this is what that? triggers this is what triggers the thing that ultimately triggers the 2018 scandal. So McRae, until uh, 2020, lost his reelection. He was also an elected official in Bladen County. He was on the Soil and Water Conservation Board. And so he was up for reelection in 2016 uh, and unopposed. And the Bladen County Improvement Association, remember I said at this point, they don't really like McRae because McRae's beaten them and they want to beat McRae. And they basically got together and like, well, crap, we can't let him run unopposed. We got to challenge him. So they mounted a write-in candidate, uh, a guy in Bladen County named Franklin Graham. No, not Billy Graham's son, but certainly <laughs> literally the same name. So that helps. And and the, and he was supported by the Bladen County Improvement Association. And so the handwriting on all these ballots writing in Franklin Graham are literally the same. And maybe two or three different variations of the two or three different people who might go out and and help people vote, but more or less the same. And people started looking at this and they thought, well, this is real weird. And McRae, the the write-in campaign was not successful. Um, But in 2016, we had a Republican governor, a guy named Pat McCrory, who uh, lost his reelection to our current governor, Roy Cooper. And the McCrory campaign, the margin wasn't close enough to trigger an automatic recall, but it was pretty tight. And so the McCrory campaign was going around the state trying to figure out how can we question the, you know, what what are some things we can do to maybe try to launch a legal challenge to the results of this race? So they found, you know, the Blade Improvement Pact. They found some evidence of the Improvement Pact maybe altering some ballots. And that, well, that would be enough to, to get it close enough to where we might could be in business on challenging it. So the Pat McCrory campaign and lawyers for Pat McCrory call down to McCray Dallas and they convince him to file a protest challenging an election that he won. <laughs> and so he does it and he files this affidavit and he goes to the state board for a hearing in December. And it becomes very apparent very quickly that McCray was being used by the Pat McCrory campaign and didn't really know the any of the substance of this affidavit that he'd filed in support of this challenge but it brought attention to what was going on in bladen county both with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. By the Improvement Pack, and unfortunately for McRae, 
by what he was doing. And so at the end of that hearing in 2016 on McRae's complaint, the Board of Elections, the State Board of Elections, ended up voting to investigate and refer for criminal prosecution both McRae's operation and the Improvement Association. And that's what happened. And so that led, and can you uh, talk about how that unraveled and what led to 2018? Yeah, I just want to sort of put into terms what Nick just said. Like McRae brought a, like let's say somebody broke into your house and you took, you, you, and you decided to bring a claim to say somebody broke into your house and then you get charged with breaking into, breaking into somebody else. And, and, and while you're in court, like some, it's found out that you, you've, you've been breaking into people's houses too and they're going to bring charges against you. I mean, that's essentially what happened. Um, so yeah, so then uh, they, the elections board sends, uh, sends a several hundred page uh, document uh, to the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of North Carolina and says there's fraud happening in Bladen County. Uh, we need to look at McRae Dallas. We need to look at the Improvement Association. Uh, and, and that file sat on the desk of the U.S. Attorney for uh, almost two years. He never looked at it, never opened it. He was investigating election fraud, or he was supposedly investigating election fraud. He was sending folks out to um, check the status of undocumented immigrants who were voting. And he ultimately found, I think, 12 or 13 cases of it uh, total. Instead of investigating this massive operation that was rounding up hundreds of votes uh, in Bladen County. That, that resulted in misdemeanor. <laughs> and, and a couple people pleated guilty and got $100 fines. And we're not making it up. Wow. Meanwhile, like yeah, you know, these people are out doing whatever they're doing in Blake County. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and that is the ultimate point of our book is, um, I, you know, we're not going to get to the end of it, actually what happened, but the ultimate point of our book is it's not, this is not as, um, it's not as up or down, I think, as either political party makes it. It's not as clear as either political party makes it um today and i won't you know we won't mention them but you say that one political party is telling you that election fraud is rampant that's not true the other political party is telling you that election fraud doesn't happen it's not true um and but the point is what we we do have systems in place to stop it and those systems have to work and you can't be chasing fake election fraud claims uh and you can't you just you, yeah. This is the frust- this is the really frustrating thing right now for Nick and myself is that we've got this book out into the world and we're starting to see, you know, states, I think this issue is going to be a big issue in 2022 because states are coming up with these, uh, these they're, they're coming up with these sort of wild claims of election fraud in 2020. Uh, you see it in Wisconsin, you see it in Georgia, and it's all receding this distrust. Um and the fact is election fraud actually happens. We don't need to make stuff up. Like we actually don't need to make right. it up. So right. what's the Associated <laughs> Press just report, right? There are 470 something cases of voter fraud in the 2020 election. And no, that's not enough to up, up end the election, right? But that's 400 plus cases of voter fraud. And if you care actually about enforcing voter fraud, you would stop wasting resources chasing made up conspiracy theories, and you would invest those resources into actually investigating the voter fraud. And unlike what the U.S. attorney in North Carolina was doing, who was chasing these low level, if they even existed, misdemeanors, 
12 or 13 people that took them years to investigate while the 300 pages of that included the text, Joe, do you care who you vote for from a guy filling out another guy's <laughs> ballot sat there collecting dust. Right. And I mean, do you get the feeling after doing all this research, research in Bladen County that there's probably these kind of unknown lower level figures like McCray Dallas in other parts of North Carolina, if not in all the states. Of the <laughs> it, we, we, yeah. it's, it's interesting as we've been on the book tour and talked to folks, we've actually heard of people saying, you know, bringing up more cases that happened that are known throughout North Carolina. And, and we don't sit on an, on an Island in North Carolina. You know, we're not the only people with rural places. We're not the only people with political machines. Yeah. Election fraud happens, you know, as we say, uh, somewhere in our book or maybe in a description for the book, um, you know, McCray stole an election, one absentee ballot at a time. And that's how it happened. It's a guy with a pen and a pencil chain smoking in his kitchen in Bladen County. Right. And he was doing this while the board of elections was rightfully focused on securing our elections from Russia and from hackers and, you know, all these systems, you know, this guy is doing it the analog way and his opponents are doing it the analog way too. Yeah, they exist all over the country, and we have to have the will to want to investigate. And we also have to have systems and people who take their jobs seriously enough uh, to to go forth and investigate when the evidence is there. And isn't it like a lot of the dispute, it's about these absentee ballots is one of the main kind of issues too, right, is these paper ballots and the drops. At least here in California, that's like now they have ballot drop boxes, at least in my town. It's pretty remarkable. It's really about these. That's one major component of it, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly. And there's nothing that we uncovered to suggest that absentee ballots aren't secure and aren't a good way to vote. I mean, there are whole states that vote via absentee, right, functionally. Um, and, and what we have found, though, is there are ways you can use absentee ballots to game the system, but they become pretty apparent, right? I mean, people, you could look at some data. And, and one person did uh, in twenty from 2016, and you could tell what McRae was doing, but no one did it. No one did anything about it. Interesting, yeah. Like they knew the anomalies are there. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, when they would see batches of absentee ballots show up at the Board of Elections at the same time. Well, because right. someone was mailing them in, right? So, um, right. And, and so, again, does that mean the ballot wasn't secure? And voting by absentee wasn't secure? No, it means that someone dropped the ball or looked the other way at the evidence that McRae and the Improvement Association was doing some things that might need a second look. Interesting. And your your title has the preachers uh, into it. What is the part of like the church involved in, in some of these events? Well, uh, the central character, the central candidate, uh, in the race that upended all of this uh, was a Baptist minister or Baptist pastor. He was, uh, and not just not just in any church. He was in the biggest uh, church in Charlotte, or the first Baptist church in Charlotte, downtown Charlotte, uh, one of the biggest congregations in the state of North Carolina. He was the leader of the Baptist convention here, uh, which is a huge, huge. It's the uh, biggest denomination in North Carolina, right? Is Baptist. I believe so. I can't say for sure, Uh, but it's massive. Anecdotally, that feels true. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Southern Baptist, yeah, have ruled the South for a long time. And he was he was that uh, that character. So he was the candidate in this race. He won an election by 905 votes. And that was enough for 
uh, the elections board to say, hey, we should probably look into what could be enough of these tainted votes that could have turned this turned this over. Um, so if, if if there wasn't a close race, we we wouldn't we wouldn't have seen the election fraud scandal happen and we wouldn't have written a book. Like if there, the fact is the only reason that anybody looked at it was because it was only a 905 vote difference out of like 60,000 votes or something like that, where they were like, Oh, okay. All right. Now it's close enough that whatever McCray Dallas is doing is not just funny anymore. It could have actually overturned this election. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I mean, just really amazing cast of characters. You guys are really good descriptive colorful terms for a lot of these people and really interesting book uh, you already have like six five-star reviews on amazon i saw that yes uh, keep coming yeah so <laughs> where's the, i mean how would you like to i mean what would you, there's a lot more to the book the history part of 100 pages is very detailed can you kind of wrap it up how would you like to end this anything i missed or what can people expect to see in other later parts of the book maybe you can do a quick summary look the story is about a crazy so my my wife when we were writing the book and we were waiting for it to come out. And I'd say, Oh, I've written a book or I'm writing a book. And I would tell people start to tell people what the book's about. My wife would always interrupt me and say, Nick, it's really much more interesting than that. You're not doing a very good job. (laughs) As Mike said at the beginning, this book is about a place, Bladen County in Southeastern North Carolina and the people in that place. And they're all characters. They're all characters. And the history of those people. They've not just been characters in 2018. They've always been characters almost by nature of where they are. And our book is about the characters over time that, and the forces of history that collided in 2018 to create this crazy ass story and shenanigans that blew up. It, that led to a congressional race being thrown out for voter fraud for the first time in modern political history. Um, and the book does that. It weaves a crazy yarn. It's entertaining. Michael Graff is the best writer you'll ever read. And, you know, he made this book. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Really, really interesting. Uh, and the characters are interesting people to read about. So I hope people will read it, like it, and take a lesson from it. Good. Anything you'd like to add, Mike? No, I just hope people care about the folks in our book. I mean, that's what it is. It's a book about people. I always say, like, I'm not writing about politics and I'm not writing about sports. I'm writing about people. And we're trying to write about people at an interesting pivot point in their lives. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of crazy folks in our book. (laughs) And uh, there is an audio version, too. So if people want to listen, they can get the audio version as well, right? That's right. Nine and and a half hours of listening to yours truly. (laughs) So you are the uh, narrator. Uh, And 
where is the best place to get it? It's on Amazon for sure. Do you, do you have signed copies or can people reach out? To, uh, do you have a website for the book? No. We no, have. Well, we, well, yeah, I mean, it's on Amazon. It's on UNC Press. Our, our publisher is University of North Carolina Press. Uh, you can go through Indie Pro and order it through your local, in, your, you know, your local Indie bookstore. Would be a good one to go through. Uh, Anywhere books are sold. People are, and take a picture of it and send it to us because we're getting that now, which is really fun to like see. I got one tag last night in a city I didn't even know our book was in and somebody tagged me and said, oh, nice. Here's our here's your book on the top shelf at Amazon or at uh, at Barnes and Noble. So it was fun. Congratulations! And yeah. do you guys have social media accounts? Anything you'd like to share? Email or anything? If people want to reach out to you. Yeah, I'm Michael N. Graf at uh, or at Michael N. Graf on most uh, Twitter, Instagram, things like that. I'm at Nick Oxner News. I think Nick Oxner News. So I can put that in the show notes too. If people yeah, yeah. Reach out to your Instagram or send you pictures yeah. of the book. Yeah, on Twitter. Well, the, We're all over Twitter. Big Twitter okay. people. <laughs> good. All right, good. And again, uh, the two authors are Michael Graff and Nick Oxner. Title of the book is The Vote Collectors, the true story of the scamsters, politicians, and preachers behind the nation's greatest electoral fraud. Just published November 16, 2021. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks Thank for having you, us. All right. Great stay, there, stay there. Stay there. Stay there. Cool. All right, excellent. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.